I don't make people clock in. I don't make people check their hours. I've never screenshot a desktop. Let me see when your mouse moves. I say, hey, I'm going to hire a grown ass human being who I trust to do their job. And by the way, if you don't do your job, you're fired. It's very black and white. Listener, what you see is not always what it seems. So in this episode, we're going to take you behind the scenes. We're going to show you some of our best moments from the past. It's going to be like a flashback in your face, in your pants. It's going to be incredible. It might even make you want to dance. Who knows what's going to happen next? I don't want to know. I don't want to ruin surprises. But here's the deal. I'm not going to be the one to... To my demise, lost the rhyme. It's okay. Bounce back just like we do on Flashback Fridays. Here we go, listener, for another great episode of the Better Than Rich Show. How might someone decipher who is considered an imposter or who is an authentic leader who could provide value and has lived it and experienced it? So first off, we're all imposters. At least I think so. I know that is true for me. And I assert that about humanity, that the best thing we can do in life is to be authentic about our inauthenticity. And we're all hypocrites. You ought to be a hypocrite. You ought to say something that you can do that you haven't proven to yourself you can do yet. Otherwise, you're just living an incremental life. If you're going after 5% better today than last year, that's fine, but it's not impressive. Can you double it? Now, if you say you're going to double it, then you're full of shit. You don't know if you can. And you're saying something, you don't know if you can cash that check. So I am an imposter. And we all say things, we think things about ourselves, we say things about ourselves, and we say we care about certain things, and we act exactly opposite of that on a Tuesday afternoon at 2.30. We all do this. And so first off, we're all imposters. And there's no way to escape that. Might as well just own it. The more that I can own mine, yours doesn't bother me. I get yours. When you're full of shit, I get it. And I can actually partner with you in an authentic way. If anybody's trying to sell me that they've got it all together all the time, I'm like, I don't trust you. But if you can show me how you blow it and how you own it when you blow it and how you make it right when you blow it and you get back up and go again at a very short interval of time, that's somebody I'd go to war with. If someone's thinking about working with a coach, and I think everybody ought to, all high performers do. So I think everybody would get something if they decided to engage in a very specific way, they will get promised ROI. Now, who to engage with is kind of your question. Our work with folks is around fierce advocacy. First off, you can go hire somebody really smart. That's great. But you don't need to hire somebody just smart because that's in every book out there, every YouTube video. You can go listen to smart people. You don't need insight from a person. That's free. I mean, it's not bad to get insight from a person, but all that's free. Advocacy is what we do. If we work together, Mike, I'd get really clear on where you're going and I'd be as committed or more committed to your future than you are. And then I'd stand shoulder to shoulder with you and I would look at the world the way you're looking at it. And there's certain ways that you're talking about the world, thinking about the world, speaking the world, acting out the world that are going to get you there. And there's certain ways that you're not. You don't know it because you're just busy being Mike or maybe very historically anchored into the way it is, quote unquote, based on your ex worldview, which is the Freudian curse on humanity. I am because it was an etiological view, they call it. We advocate that a future could be unprecedented, not connected at all to the past. It can be connected to the past, but we all want to believe that something new can happen, especially when we fucked it up. And I've fucked up my life in so many ways. And I've got a future that is contrary to what that story about that past says is possible. So when I say advocacy, I'm committed to somebody and it's fierce because I work with type A dickheads. They have people that pander to them and yes, men around them and people that are scared of them. And I'm just not scared of them at all. I don't care if they like me and I'm committed to this thing working, but I don't need it to work. And I'm going to show up 100%. And if they don't like it, great. 
And not that I don't care about them. I want to make this distinction. I deeply care about them, but I'm just not committed to any kind of politeness. And I'm not a dick about it. I'm just like making it work, making it happen is what's most important. You becoming who you're committed to becoming is actually from a life experience perspective, that is what's most meaningful. Am I becoming the person I want to become? That seems so soft, but we know that 95, that matters more than anything else. An extra two million in the bank account does not matter when you're about to die. It's the quality of relationships and your own dignity and your own integrity. And am I proud of myself? That's actually what matters. We choose to not care about that in the rat race. When I'm thinking about a coach, I want someone that's going to advocate for my future and going to do it in a way that's contrary to culture, which is very polite and PC and all this bullshit. Therefore, I don't have much interest in some kind of expert on content because content's free and that doesn't do the trick anyway. Conviction is what matters. Commitment is what matters. A willingness to live your word is what matters. So most people, and I go through this all the time, we try to hire coaches or lots of people come to us and want to work with us. Most of them don't have this, which is this willingness to have the real conversation. Like the one that the person doesn't want to have, that's the one to have. I tell founders all the time, the conversations that are under the table are the ones that are running your organization. I don't know what they are yet, but that's where I'm going. And that's what we're going to talk about. All the shit you don't want to talk about is where the gold is. The answer to this question, who to work with, that's what I want. That's who I have worked with when I hired a coach when I first got started. That's oh, the only type of commitment that I'll tolerate on my team or stand with on my team is this fierce advocacy. Most coaches are just kind of nice people, which is great. And they're kind of like rogue therapists, which is great. I'd say it because you can obviously tell what I really think. But therapy can be helpful. It's just how do we make the past better? Or how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? And that's playing not to lose. I'm committed to playing to win. So most people, I'm not that interested. It's just kid gloves. And not that I don't like somebody that's kind, like be kind, but be committed. Let your kindness be presenced in your commitment to the person. Because that's what all of us need. That's what you need. That's what I need is somebody that cares about me enough to look me in the eyes and believe in me so much that they don't believe me. So can you just hit on real quick why you said depreciation benefits are important? Yep. Why is that? So I mentioned depreciation kind of as that wrapper. It's not really one of the main features or benefits of real estate. It is, but whenever an investor talks to me and they're like, oh, I can get a lot of depreciation. I say, I'm going to tax savings. I'm going to spend a dollar. I'm going to save 25 cents in tax. That's not a great tax strategy. If you got to spend money to save money, that's not really saving money. But here's the cool thing. If you have an asset, and I talk about this in my book, real estate depreciates according to the IRS. Anybody knows that if you have a piece of real estate over any given period of time, it goes up in value. Yes, real estate can go down in value, but it goes up over time, especially if you understand how to run that business and it's income producing. But the IRS says, hey, you can write off depreciation. So if you own a $300,000 piece of real estate and the land's worth 25,000. It's residential. So that means the building's worth 275,000. The IRS says you can write off $10,000 a year in straight line depreciation. Now we use a lot of accounting rules and we use specialized accounting agencies that help accelerate that. So if you're making $10,000 off that piece of real estate and you can write off 10,000 in depreciation, you pay zero in tax. That's beautiful. Mm. This is how Trump did it. There was like, oh, President Trump, you didn't pay or Donald Trump didn't pay any tax. Okay. He followed the rules. Would you be upset with me if I beat you at Monopoly and I read the rules and understood the rules and then you lost to me? You might be upset, but I would say, well, whose fault is that? You should have read the rules yourself. Mm. So when I hear stories like that, I say, how did they do that? And when you look into it, you find they're ultra rich. 
know how to use things like depreciation to offset their income. Regardless of politics or religious beliefs or whatever, you know, this book, Why We Want You to Be Rich by Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki, to what you just said, Chris, is so golden. Listener, I want you to make sure you understand what are the rules of the game? So if you don't know what the rules are, are it's kind of tough to play the game. So you need to learn the rules. A lot of people do get stuck in the doing or they get stuck in the managing the people who are doing and they just find another way to stay busy. Steve Napolitano taught me there are three rules of effective task management and there are three questions. If you have a task list and you have a calendar and you're going insane, there's a reason for that and it's worth meditating on that for a million years until you crack that code. So you look at your calendar and you decide for every individual thing, can I eliminate this? And you have to be ruthless, ruthless, ruthless. Can I eliminate this? And if the answer is no, then it's, can I automate this? And you'd be shocked at how much stuff you can automate. And a better way to ask that, by the way, is how can I automate this? Because if you say, can I automate this? The answer is no, absolutely not. But if you say, how can I automate this? Then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, if, and here's the other piece, by the way, and mild departure, and then somebody bring me back because I'm going to go off on a shiny object. Oftentimes what you'll find is you're like, gosh, I could automate this entire process if I just didn't have to do this. For example, I own the top-ranked Google Ads agency on the planet. We're the best in the world, truly. Here's what's really interesting. I'm the only media buying agency I know of that doesn't do creative, period, full stop. So you come hire Solutions 8, and you're like, Solutions 8, run my Google Ads. I'm like, cool, bro, I got you. And we're going to do the conversion tracking, the tech stack, the implementation, the setup, the account build, the campaign. I'm going to do everything. Incidentally, please submit your creative here. And then you go, you guys don't do creative. And I say, no, I don't. Now it's, well, if you want an agency that will run your creative, great, go hire somebody else. But if you want the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can come hire me. Here's why. The one thing I couldn't automate and streamline was creative. So I just didn't do it. Every other media agency thought to themselves like, well, we have to do the creative. Nobody's going to hire us if we don't do the creative. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. So take the thing that you think is the prerequisite. If this is the one thing that you say, well, gosh, I could automate this whole process. If it just went for this, question number one, can I eliminate this? Question number two, can I automate this? Question number three, can I delegate this? By the time you get to question number three, past question number three, think of each one of those as a filter and the filters get smaller and smaller and smaller. You should have nothing left to do. If there are any tasks left past question number three, you haven't done your job well and you need to go back and either you're not eliminating things ruthlessly enough, you're not automating things creatively enough, or you don't have the right people on your slate to delegate to and to speak to the right people. I have an immense and deep respect for humanity and what people are capable of. And what I think most business owners do, and I'm going to slander our collective environment, okay, and hopefully shame some people. Dude, I'm so fucking sick of people saying like, I just can't find good people or nobody wants to work or everybody's lazy. Fuck you. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on twice in front of your mom. You are such a rigid piece of shit. There are the most amazing people in the world and they're dying to contribute and they're dying to do something meaningful and they're dying to matter. And if you tell me, oh, there's no good people and nobody wants to work, that tells me you're a piece of fucking shit. Nobody wants to work for you. I've got 80 people that work for me and they're all amazing. They're stellar. But guess what I do? I pay more than anybody's willing to pay. And immediately everybody's asshole just snaps shut because you're trying to pay the least and get the most. Again, fuck you. Pay more than anybody's willing to pay and then be a fun place to work. I don't make people clock in. I don't make people check their hours. I've never screenshot a desktop. Let me see when your mouse moves. I say, hey, I'm going to hire a grown-ass human being who I trust to do their job. And by the way, if you don't do your job, you're fired. It's very black and white. The first time you fuck up, it's my fault. Hey, Mike, I realized that you didn't do the thing. I probably didn't manage expectations. This is a really important thing to do. And I just need to make sure you and I are on the same page. Do you understand what I just said? Awesome. Cool. Glad we're on the same page. Second time. Hey, Mike, you didn't do the thing. We just talked about it. I have the little email back and forth following up. Making sure that you understood the thing. If you don't do the thing again, you're fired. 
Third time, hey Mike, do you know why you're here? That's easy. So you hire slow, you fire quick, and you bring people into the fold that are good people, and you treat them well, and you pay them well, and you incentivize them well. And if you do that, you should be the dumbest, least hardworking human that works for you, which is who I am, by the way. I am the dumbest, laziest human in all of my organizations. And I have the most phenomenal people that take the ball and they run with it, and they run farther and faster than I could ever run, and they come up with better ideas than I could ever come up with, and they've made me more money than I could ever make myself. You ever find yourself thinking like, gosh, I really can't find a good person. There's 8 billion people on the planet and they're all brilliant and they're all hyper-educated and they all want to matter and they all want to be passionate about something. The problem isn't the people. The problem is you. Go fix you. All right. Better than Rich Show listener. Thanks for sticking around to the end. If this episode inspired you, if it motivated you, if the connection that you're getting from our guests and from us resonates with you, we just wanna extend a little offer to you to help you regain some time. Because one of the things that we've realized as busy entrepreneurs is that our time is the most valuable asset that we have in our business, but also with our families, with our health, with our personal growth. Uh, All those certain things that we wanna grow in our lives, they require time, they require energy. And we've launched a service that we've been doing for now for over a year that has a lot of traction in the marketplace that just sources a team of virtual assistants for you. And so if you've never had a conversation with a member of our Better Than Rich team before on our virtual assistant program, you're missing out. It's an opportunity to learn more about what we're up to. And ultimately, we help people regain 80, 100, 150 or more hours a month, every single month. And what might that do for you? What might that do for your life? What might that do for your family? If you want to live a life that's truly better than rich, time freedom is a big part of that. So Mike, where can people learn more and why should people at least book a call with our team? Well, first, I think it's very simple for you to just go book a call. It's free. We'll hop on uh, with you, one of our team strategists, and we'll just poke around your business. Worst case, you figure out what your dollar per hour wage is and what your time is worth, and we'll at least make sure you leave with that. Best case scenario, we could give you a team of two or three or more virtual assistants to just get all of your admin offloaded. So make your way over to VA, that's VA as in virtual assistant, dot betterthanrich.com. So that's va.betterthanrich.com and book your call. All the details are on there. The pricing is on there. We're an open book. We just know that this service is really helpful. So va.betterthanrich.com and we look forward to our conversation with you soon.